Hello and welcome back to Laurent Robert's Left Peg, the Newcastle United podcast brought to you by AMS Media. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou, and I'm joined by Harry DeCosimo once again. Harry, welcome back. How are you? Hi, Harry. I'm good, thank you. Uh, great to get off with a win at the weekend and lovely to have the football back. Yeah, I wouldn't know what that feels like. But we're also joined <laughs> by a debutant this evening, Newcastle United fan and a colleague of mine, a very good friend, uh, the brilliant Jack Cunningham. Welcome to the show, mate. How are you? I'm really good, Harry. It's great to be on this. I've been looking for, I've been wanting to do this for a while, but obviously there's been no football on, so there's been no point in doing it. So I'm uh, really pleased to be uh, to be on it. Good, good. We're pleased to have you. Um, let's good start to have off. someone with a Geordie accent. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was going to say that, and then I thought, should I say that? Should I not say that? Am I crossing the line a little bit? But no, that's fine. Yeah, it's good to have a, a Geordie accent. Um, adds authenticity to the show, doesn't it? Indeed, it does. <laughs> Right, let's uh, start off by getting an update, Harry, on the takeover. Because every time we do this podcast, we we talk about the takeover. Where are we at now in comparison to where we were last time we spoke? Exactly the same as last week, exactly the same as the week before, exactly the same as the week before that, and probably exactly the same for the last six weeks in terms of where it actually stands. But progression in terms of we know what happened with the WTO report. We know it wasn't particularly good news in terms of how the Saudis were found the Saudi, you know, there was a, there was a link between the Saudi Arabian state and, and this, uh, you know, this, this piracy. Um, but this week, a bit more positivity potentially that they're trying to mend a few fences. If you like, they're trying to, they're, they're cracking down at the, the, you know, which is really what makes a difference in the, with the premier league, because the WTO report, as bad as it might sound and as daunting as it might sound, it isn't a condemnation in itself. It's just evidence that the premier league, have to take into account and I think as I've said before I think that there's a there's a genuine desire to get the, the takeover done I think the Premier League would like it to happen if, if possible they but they obviously don't want to upset a huge major a major partner um, in, in in being sports having said that the, the, there's reports that Saudi Arabian um, the Saudi Arabian state are trying to buy uh, stake in BT which would be very interesting maybe change the game a little bit in terms of the the TV Thing obviously with BT Sport having a big, you know, being a big partner of the Premier League, but generally, I think we're in a position where if this happens and 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 they crack down on the piracy, then it then it, you know, the sources that everyone seems to be suggesting that we might finally be getting closer to that um, all-inclusive, you know, all all you know, that, that exclusive that that thing that everybody wants, um, which is the uh, which is the yes, and I think that'll happen uh, hopefully very very soon. Jack, how long have you been waiting to get the cans out, mate? How frustrated <laughs> have you grown with this mate, whole was, thing? Mate, those cans have been long gone. We've, I think we've had a lot of false dawns. I was listening to George Corgan's podcast, you know, obviously as for, for work, you know, that's what I've been writing about consistently for the past, what, 12 weeks. Um, and, uh, you know, I was listening to George Corgan and he was saying that he thinks there's been quite a lot of false dawns uh, where they've been given the hint that, yes, it might happen and then, another issue's popped up and another issue's popped up another issue's popped up and it feels like this time maybe maybe win the end game and the only reason I say that is because I felt that the Premier League were waiting for the WTO report to come out then they've presented to Saudi Arabia what they want them to do because since then BM Sports is now available in Saudi cafes again which was a big thing obviously BM was blocked in Saudi Arabia and they are now they've got that crackdown on piracy 231 websites and also there'll be fines and prison sentences for people found guilty of piracy 
so I feel that maybe now we are in the end game. Craig Hope certainly said uh, on uh, on Talksport yesterday that from the sources he has, the Premier League decision is now days, not weeks away. Full of hope, isn't he, old Craig? Um, <laughs> so, so we feel as though it's edging closer to, to some sort of resolution, and we feel as though the Premier League are going to make an announcement in the coming days rather than weeks, which is positive news, I'm sure, for all our uh, Newcastle United fans who are desperate to see the back of Mike Ashley. But on in, in terms of on the pitch, wasn't a bad start, was it, Harry? A, a brilliant result against Sheffield United, and. You know, they, they came into this game a little bit, probably feeling a little bit hard done by based on what happened in their game with Aston Villa. But Newcastle took full advantage of that and got off to a flying start. Yeah, it was a really sort of really strange game in, in the sense that the first 10 minutes, it, it, it went the way that I think majority of people would have expected it to. Sheffield United came, sat deep, were really compact. Newcastle were trying to funnel it out to the out to the. Uh, Wings get to some maximum and it wasn't quite working. They were having set pieces and being quite threatening in that in that sense. Then there was a bit of a change about 50 minutes into the game and, and Newcastle never really looked back. Hayden was fantastic in the midfield. St. Maximum when when St. Maximum's on his game and gets into the game, Newcastle more or less usually either have um you know they'll either get a, a result out of it or they'll play well and be unlucky. So if St. Maximum's playing well, you know, Newcastle are, are likely to play well. Um, Joel Linton obviously first goal is, is fantastic despite the the miss I, th- I don't know what uh, Jack was thinking when, when Joel Linton missed the first half <laughs> but basically uh, I think you got the sense that everyone had, had, had built up this thing of like you know will, will he play better or worse without a or better without a, uh, a, a, cr- a crowd there to sort of add the pressure on him but you sense with that miss that he, it, the pressure wasn't going anywhere because that, that miss the way he missed it was so um Purely, it was just purely out of lack of confidence. You could see the the second, you could see the way his his mind was working when he had those seconds to as he broke away to. Uh, he to, thought he was Thierry Henry. He thought he was Thierry Henry. The way he tried <laughs> to open his Henry body up. Knows what he's doing in that situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He didn't have a clue. Um, but but to, to his credit, everyone thought everyone you know was at that point was was probably writing him off in their own heads. To that, to his credit, he got himself up, dusted himself down, carried on, and got himself into the position for, for the third goal after Richard obviously added the second. Um, Sir Maxman's goal was, uh, I, I don't think that Andrew Stevens is going to ever want to see that again. Um, I sort of see what what Chris Wilder is saying about the sending off, um, in that maybe there wasn't much need for the for the first yellow for both him and Joe Linton, but uh, John Egan, that is. But there is an argument to actually say that there's, you know, the, the second. Um, yellow is a, it, it could be even a red card anyway because if he doesn't make the foul, Joe Linton's probably going to go through on goal against Henderson, and you know who knows what would happen, happen then because of what happened in the first half. <laughs> but I think overall it was a, it was a it was it ended up being a dream day. But um, yeah, Newcastle after the first fifteen minutes weren't weren't out of you know didn't really need to to to, stre- to sweat that much, which is quite surprising considering the opposition. I'm actually kicking myself that I didn't start the podcast by going breaking news. Joe Linton has scored a goal in the Premier League. I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go back and do that in the edit. Uh, so if you've if you've heard it at the beginning now, you will understand Nobody where it came from. Heard of coronavirus when he last scored a goal Bloody in the Premier League? <laughs> Crazy. Crazy, Jack. What did you make of the performance overall? Fantastic well, result. Great way to get back on the way. You know, you've got you, this is a Sheffield United side who've only lost to Liverpool and Man City away in the Premier League. So I think you've got to not you've got to not underestimate how good of a victory this was over a good Sheffield United side. Who, fair enough, you could say that some would say they're overachieving, but for what they are, they're a good team. 
And uh, even 11 versus 11, I thought Newcastle were the better side. Uh, obviously, there was the Joel Linton chance, which I'll talk about in a minute. But Richie had a shot saved by Henderson as well. And there was a couple of um, some Maximan crosses that someone didn't get on the end of, end of. And you know what? For once, I cannot remember Dubravka making a save. And that's probably the first time in a game I could say that this season for Newcastle, because obviously he's been immense. But, I mean, the Joel Linton chance, obviously, starts with some Maximan in the corner. He does what he does. He gets the ball with a few men around him. He goes past them. He plays in Almiron, who in that number 10 role has, is thriving for me. He's been really good in that number 10 role. Plays a perfect ball through, ball through for Joel Linton. And I'm like, this is your chance, son. This is it. And then he just kicked the floor, and it bounced through to Henderson. And I was like, he's never going to score again. <laughs> I was just like, that was, I could not believe he missed it. But fair play to him because in the second half, he gets Egan sent off with them. Um, you know, shows good strength, pushes Egan out of the way. Egan's got his hands all over the back of him. It's a red card, obviously second yellow, but it, you could argue it is a straight red. And then for the third goal, uh, he gets the ball in, in that area deep in front of the centre-backs from St. Maximan, plays out at Almiron. And then for once, he makes that run into the box, gets on the end of it. And, you know, he was never going to miss, but still... Hopefully that's the kickstart for Julian. Yeah, fingers crossed that it really is. is the proof. Sorry, Harry. I think that really is the proof, the evidence that Julian's issue is confidence because if he had a crowd there, I don't think he makes that run because I think people are, you know, he, he would second guess what the, what the crowd are going to are going to make of what he's doing. And I think that the, the possibility is that in the first half, if he misses that chance, the crowd gets on his back as they are, as they often have done this season. And he goes into a shell. Whereas all of that talk about him, you know, maybe performing better without a crowd, actually, it, you got conclusive proof that that was the case. I think on, on on Sunday, because of because of the just those two things: one, the fact that he picked himself up, and two, the fact that he made that run, as as, as Jack says. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you touched on them. Um, go ahead, Jack. Sorry. sorry, go ahead, Mick. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you touched on the crowd and like as a season. I don't have my season ticket anymore, but as a season ticket holder for what seven years or whatever I had it for, um, St James's Park can be the best place in the world to play football when the crowd are on side. You know, I think Newcastle teams sometimes feel unbeatable, but when it turns, it is pretty nasty, and uh, I think that that's been happening to Joel Linton this season. And so I feel that the lack of the crowd will help them. And I hope he can go on and, I don't know, maybe end the season with six goals or something like that in the Premier League. That would be that would be a decent, um, respectable total after the, the horror start he's had. Yeah, I think it, it's been one of those situations, isn't it, where, you know, the longer that the drought goes on for, the more is made of it. We saw it with Almiron as well, didn't we? When he hadn't scored for a while, it was just building and building and building and building and it's all anybody talks about when that player is involved in terms of the crowd not being in the stadium I think in general it's changed the game so so much and I was making the point on a recent show that we did when we were talking about you know Arsenal and playing out from the back and that not having a crowd in the stadium I guess encourages you to do that because there's nobody oohing and ahhing every time an opponent gets close to you so we are watching a different game at the moment. And, you know, we see there's more substitutions. There are, you know, nuances to the way we're doing things. And it's a very, very different game. And that can benefit some players. It can also hinder others, but it is benefiting uh, some of those players. And Joe Linton, hopefully, is going to kick on now and, and start to justify the fee that Newcastle United paid for him. 
Whilst we're on the subject of strikers, let's talk about Andy Carroll because it's emerged today that it looks as though Andy Carroll is going to stay at Newcastle United for another season. He has, of course, extended his uh, deal till the end of this season. But we're hearing, and I read it in Chronicle Live, I don't know if anybody else uh, reported it first, but we've heard it today that he's likely to extend that stay beyond this summer. And he will indeed, most likely, uh, be a Newcastle United player next season. Harry, do you think that's the right call? Or do you think, I guess, the, the funds could be maybe used better elsewhere? What's your take on it? Funds is is a you know if, in, from a financial perspective I only see it positive in that how, how easy it is to do the deal from his perspective he said he wants to stay for another five years he regrets you know the fact that he left before so he has a a real thing to you know he has, he has something to make up for in that in that sense um, but also you know it doesn't cost Newcastle that much he's on a pay as you play deal for about twenty grand a week I think and you know and then everything else is heavily incentivized. And he's made positive um, impacts in games where he hasn't scored a goal, but he's you know just his presence on the pitch, the fact that he can do things that certain, certain things that Joe Linton can't before the game, before we knew that Joe Linton scored and the you know, the the, the, men, the idea around him and the and what was going on you know now and the perception of him, which might slightly change now because of the goal. But before the game, I thought Bruce would start uh, Carroll because. You can't press. You, you can't play out from the back as Newcastle like to do. You can't play out from the back against Sheffield United, and that's what we saw in the first ten minutes. You have to bypass that press, and Andy Carroll's perfect at that. That's why he started at Bramall Lane, and he was so good on that on that night. Um, so there's a lot that he can bring, but it's not. He's not going to. He's not the player that that he was because he, he's not fit enough for it. I actually wrote a piece um, in a, 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 about March, I think, or February, maybe before the, the whole lockdown thing, saying I didn't think it was. I think it needed to be reconsidered because he was injured for a long time. It just it all depends because the problem is it's easy to say that we should we should keep him on now because he's fit and he's on the bench and he has the opportunity to, to make those impacts. But he was out for for weeks over what was originally supposed to be quite a small issue that they couldn't actually fix originally Bruce was un, was unsure how they were going to sort it out and it was constantly niggling at him and I think that's the danger with Carol and forget the funds I think from a financial standpoint it makes sense I do have my you know questions as to how much sense it makes from from a playing perspective because you know how, how susceptible he is, he is now to the smallest injury just developing into something that can keep him out for weeks and I think you know, from a, from a nostalgic perspective, I always said I didn't want him back. Every time he was linked, from the moment he left Newcastle in 2011 to now, I said he, I didn't want him back. And as soon as he came back, it was oh, brilliant! Andy Carroll's back. You know what I mean? It's fantastic. <laughs> and um, and you, you get you get caught up in that. And I think so. So there's obviously there's, there's there's pros and cons to both sides. I think if he if he's fit and he even if he makes it on for half an hour and he doesn't score a goal, but he he just ups the he just gives the the team a little bit of impetus at the right time, then he's definitely worth keeping around at least for another year. I think. Jack, what's your take on it? Um, yeah. Andy Carroll, he's a Newcastle lad through and through, and all that stuff. But I mean, I totally take Harry's point on board that he has made positive contributions this season. I think that's very much the opinion of the backroom staff at St James's Park at the moment as well. But does it feel like you're just? You know, if this takeover is on the horizon, if a new dawn is just around the corner, does it feel like it kind of, I don't know, maybe you should be looking with a more ambitious view? That's how I see it as an outsider. 
Yeah, no, totally. I think uh, the takeover really has to be considered considered with this. Um, do the new owners really think Andy Carroll is worth another year of even on a pay-as-you play deal? I mean, obviously they they do have bottomless funds, but do they not want maybe think that he would represent uh, an old the old regime of the club of getting free transfers in and injury-prone players, or even because again they're they're in con, they're, they're in consistent talks with the uh, current owners at the moment. Have they? Maybe given that the go-ahead behind the scenes, who knows? But the thing is with Carroll is that this season, for what he's given us, he's actually made a big impact. Uh, Harry mentioned the um, game against uh, Sheffield United. He was absolutely superb in that because he held the ball up against their three centre-backs and he, and he allowed us to get out and we got a 2-0 win. He was also amazing against um, Southampton at home in December where we 1-0 down, he came off the bench and he just totally changed the game, got an assist for Shelby as well. So I feel that when he has played, but then obviously he had that weird injury where they had no idea what happened to him and it meant that Newcastle had no impact off the bench anymore. Um, but you've got to look at his injury record and you've got to say, it's, I mean, it, how many games of a season are you going to get out of him? That's, that, is, that is the question. But, he is a better, but for me, he's a, better off the, he's a better option off the bench than either Dwight Gale or Yoshinori Muto. So I think another year doesn't hurt. And obviously if the new owners do come in and do decide that they don't want him, then it's not going to cost, it's not going to cost anything. I'm sure Carroll would, would accept that being a Newcastle fan anyway. I'm sure he's pretty excited about what could happen anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And and just touching on, on Andy Carroll, finally, you know, as, as somebody who's been on the receiving end of some Andy Carroll performances in the sense of, he has played against my team in the past and really given us a hard time. The, the, the thing that makes Andy Carroll stand out from it, whether it's the likes of Dwight Gale or Yoshinori Muto or whoever is that he is so different to other strikers, isn't he? He's a bit like Peter Crouch in the sense that what he has is so unique. He is so powerful aerially. He is so physical. And if you're chasing a game and you need to change it up, there are very few people that can give you that option uh, to completely change your game plan in an instant the way Andy Carroll can. Is that maybe why Harry Newcastle have decided and why Steve Bruce is so keen on keeping him? Because he is so different, isn't he, to, to pretty much every other striker out there? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really, it's, it's still to, to this day one of the saddest days I can remember as a Newcastle fan and subsequently as a journalist. Um, was the day that he left you know 35 million pounds from Liverpool seemed crazy but it never really gets explained what Newcastle lost that day um, and what they lost was a was a 20, 21 year old striker who was raw he's basically had all of the attributes he does but he had better fitness he was but he was raw he was he would just put himself about everywhere he was, he's just absolutely fantastic when he was 21 22 and Liverpool really did buy for me the best young striker in the country at the time but he just had, as you say, he had a certain style of play which didn't suit what event, what Liverpool eventually wanted to do under Brendan Rodgers. Um, I think, from a playing perspective, as you say, Harry, he can, he can, he can bring the, and as Jack alluded to, he can bring players into play, and he, he around the place, he's uh, off the pitch, he, he's, he's vital as well. Even when he wasn't playing, I think he made his debut against Brighton in September, so there was a, a couple of months where he wasn't playing, um, but he was still vital in the year of uh, Jolinton Muto. Gale and, and, and everyone and you know just 
So there are definitely reasons why Bruce will want him to stay on and off the pitch, but he is completely different to pretty much everybody that Newcastle have. Newcastle don't have an out-and-out all-round striker who I would... The only the only one I've seen since Shearer is probably Denver Barr, who's the only player who can do something akin to what Andy Carroll can do in terms of holding the ball in the in an aerial threat, but also running behind and you know with his, you know turn on the on the turn. He's, you know Barr was fantastic at everything, whereas you've got players like Gale who's fantastic on on the shoulder. You've got um, uh, you know Joel Linton can come deep and, and collect it. Muto can spin in behind, but you've got Andy Carroll who's the only one who can really do that thing that, that Newcastle have needed him to do this season. I think that is definitely something that Bruce will have considered. Yeah, absolutely. Let, let's look ahead to the game that's coming up tonight. By the time this goes out, uh, Newcastle will take on Aston Villa at St. James's Park. It's live on BT Sport. For those of you based in the UK, um, if we look at the head-to-head record between the two sides, it's heavily stacked in Newcastle United's favour. 22 wins uh, from the 45 games played, 9 Villa wins and uh, 14 draws between the two sides. But it is worth noting that Aston Villa were 2-0 winners uh, in the first fixture back in November at Villa Park. Jack, how are you feeling going into this one? Given uh, what you've just seen Newcastle achieve against Sheffield United, are you confident going into this one? Yeah, you know what? I'm really confident, um, but that means we'll probably lose 1-0 because that is the way of um, Newcastle. But the thing is, Villa this season, when we played them earlier on in the season, that was that was at their bit. That was, you know, Bruce returning back to Villa Park. I felt like all of the players were really up for it and, and we maybe we kind of weren't, I suppose, and we lost 2-0. It was probably one of our worst performances of the season, to be honest. Um, but Villa now, when you look at them, I mean, apart from Jack Grealish and John McGinn, is there anything there that's really a threat or really any sort of, I don't know, Premier League quality? I mean, they've had four different goalkeepers this season, so you can tell you can tell their problems at the back there. Um, in terms of Aston Villa themselves, they're really Villa. I mean, I remember when we got relegated in 2009 at Villa, and uh, they they absolutely loved that. But then the first our first game back in the Premier League, we beat them six 0 so you know a bit, a bit of revenge there so I would love to think that tomorrow we can properly thrash Villa and um, and almost start to condemn them to relegation because I mean if you look at their squad they spent 140 million last summer Dean Smith keeps whinging about how he hasn't got enough good players or anything well actually recruitment's fault and and is he is he good enough I don't I don't I don't think he is just because he's a Villa fan so I think they're going to go down and I really hope that we can uh, we can stuff them tomorrow night and prepare for the big one against Manchester City on uh, Sunday in the FA Cup. Harry, what's your, your feelings ahead of this one? Uh, slightly a bit more cautious, I think, than Jack is uh, <laughs> in, in terms of the result. Um, I think uh, I take his point about it being, you know, the 1-0 thing, about it being Newcastle, you know, expecting a victory and getting a defeat. Um, personally, I think... Newcastle will attack the game and, and it'll be very much like the way that, um, that, that they approached the uh, Sheffield United game in terms of they'll, they'll attack the game as it goes on they'll try and get some Maxman and Almiron involved they've finally found a system that works for the pair of them um, which, and you know and also but crucially as we mentioned Joe Linton finally looking like a striker for the first time in, his, in this season really might be the key to that whole system working because as it hasn't, you know, you've got St. Maximin and Albron perfectly in the positions, but you haven't had someone ahead of them who can do the job that's needed. Jolton did that on, on Sunday, so hopefully he can do it again. If he does, I think Newcastle can win the game. Um, 
as Jack alluded to, that you know you got Jack Rears and you got John McGinn, who to me are probably the two probably the two best midfielders in the bottom half of the Premier League, despite the fact and probably outside the top, you know two of the best outside the top six. John McGinn, I think, is criminally underrated. Actually, um, I don't think he'll be. I think everyone's talking about Grealish and whether Villa stay up or not. Him going, I think. If Newcastle were, were looking for a creative midfielder, somebody in the middle to to dictate the play for the next season, whether they take over or not, I would seriously look at John McGinn. Um, I think he's fantastic. So those two are going to be a real threat. They don't have goals up front, and Newcastle um, tend to defend well, particularly the you know Lascelles and uh, Fernandez at the back when they're together. Newcastle with Dubravka behind them, uh, uh, more or less solid. Um, Hayden in the middle. There's a real core that's um, developed in this system over the last few games and I think that that can that, that can lead Newcastle on to victory but equally you know Villa would probably you know Villa will come and, and they'll frustrate and they have quality and they could easily nick the game as well so I think it'll be very tight but I'm just going to go for Newcastle interesting stuff interesting stuff indeed and don't forget guys Newcastle take on Aston Villa tonight that is uh, so you'll be able to uh, tune uh, into that one on BT Sport if you're based in the UK and we'll be bringing you another podcast in the coming days where we'll be looking back on that game and looking ahead to Newcastle United's next fixtures the games are coming thick and fast at the moment um, that brings us to the end of today's episode a big thank you uh, to Harry DeCosimo and to Jack Cunningham you'll be able to find their Twitter handles in the description so do head over there and give them a follow you can follow us at LRLP podcast um, you can email us at LRLP podcast at gmail.com with your questions and uh, follow us on AMS media as well uh, you'll find there that we've got a variety of shows under our umbrella um, that I'm sure you guys will enjoy so please head over there and check that out um, that, that's, that's it guys thank you so much and uh, we will catch you guys again very soon until next time ciao cheers <laughs>